Tuning in to the 389th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk with me, Daryl D. Lane, as always, wherever you are, however you may be listening, I'll thank you for making me and the show part of your day, whether it be via Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, IR Radio, SoundCloud, Pandora, wherever you get your podcasting apps from, being recorded from Buffalo, New York, as always. Gonna have a special show for you guys. Gonna have Kenny Simon, scouting expert for Tunch for Sports to talk about coaching and GM hires around the league. We're going to do our own version of our own NFL awards. Uh, best QB of the year, wide receiver, offensive line, defensive line. Cornerback uh, also get into like uh, best moments, uh, best assistant coach, uh, biggest controversy, so little fun stuff like that. And we're going to talk about the Senior Bowl, which went down this weekend as well. I know Kenny followed that extremely uh, well. Kenny covered that heavily, so we're going to talk about that and talk about some guys who played well, who may be disappointed a little bit, too. Now, before we get to all that, I'm going to give my shameless plug. First-time listener, thank you, but subscribe and follow right now. Also, share this podcast with your friends and family, whether it be via Reddit threads, Facebook groups, etc., etc. Check on the description below. Specifically, if you are listening via Spotify, you can click on the timestamps and we'll send you to whichever part of the podcast you would most like to listen to. It is for your convenience, folks. Follow me on Twitter at NightTrain underscore Lane. Also, subscribe to my YouTube channel. Just type in Daryl Lane and you will find it. I post three to five minute clips of this podcast right here, as well as my syndicate show, Outside the Shop. And if you have Apple or iTunes, give me five stars and a great review for some odd reason, right? If you don't like the pod, then... Don't say anything, because you know what your mama told you. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. And lastly, thank you everybody for tuning in via Elevation Sports in Denver. Appreciate you guys for tuning in as well. And cut up next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk, we're going to get to Kenny Sim. Cut up next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Hey, Michael Spillin here for the Flash Hauler Driving App, a convenient app for on-demand furniture moving, vehicle towing, and courier service. If you like being out on the road, not having people breathing down your neck, pressuring you to get stuff done by deadlines and time limits, join our fleet on the Flash Hauler Driving App. Earn money by driving your pickup or van, be your own boss, making your own schedule, not to mention the feeling of helping truckless people getting their furniture moved to wherever they need. If vehicle towing is more in your arena, we provide that service as well. And if you don't have a truck or a van, no worries. The app enables you to do courier gigs. It's an easy process to sign up and get approved to be part of the Flash Hauler Hero team. Be proud of what you do while you do it at your convenience. So what are you waiting for? Grab your phone, download and install the Flash Hauler, that's F-L-A-S-H-O-L-R driver app, or visit our website, H-O-L-R-apps.com, getting it hauled in a flash. This segment on Elevation 5280 Sports is brought to you by the Flash Hauler driver app, helping people move in a flash. With Barbershop Sports Talk, and we have Kenny Sim with us, scouting expert for 247 Sports. How you doing, Kenny? Doing good, Daryl. So what me and Kenny are going to do today is 
gonna take a break from our per usual NFL recaps and breakdowns and we're not gonna talk about the Pro Bowl since I didn't watch the Pro Bowl but I'm gonna be honest with you Kenny uh, I'm on like a no Pro Bowl diet the Pro Bowl it's not real football so I have no uh, interest in watching about or really talking about it. I don't know how you feel about that are you in agreement with me there I watched the first the first half of the first quarter okay I've seen, seen walkthroughs more intense than that, though. Yeah, the, the, I'm not with the Pro Bowl, so uh, if, if you guys want to listen to Pro Bowl talk, this isn't your podcast for today. But me and Kenny, we're going to uh, get into, we're going to do our NFL awards, going to talk about some coaching stuff and some GM hires, and we're going to get into uh, also uh, the Senior Bowl. Uh, so we're going to talk about all that, uh, and let's start with our NFL awards. So, Kenny... First, let's start with this. MVP of the league. Yes. So, MVP of the league for the second straight year, I'm going to go Aaron Rodgers. Led the league in quarterback rating, QBR. Highly efficient player. The efficiency of Aaron Rodgers since Matt LaFleur has gotten to Green Bay has been incredible. It's been 37 touchdowns, four interceptions. That's nine to one touchdown to interception ratio. Uh, most, uh, I mean, you're really good if you're at three to one, four to one. I mean, this guy was at nine to one at one point this year, 16 to one touchdown to interception ratio. But he he did all of that while quarterbacking the top team in the NFL. How about uh, Offensive Player of the Year? <clears throat> okay, so Offensive Player of the Year has traditionally been best non-quarterback. And this year, I think it was Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup had the triple crown for receivers. Most number of catches, yards, and touchdowns. It's only been done four times with the like of Sterling Sharp, Jerry Rice, Steve Smith was the last one to do in 2005, so this hasn't been done in 16 years. But Cooper Cup playing in the Super Bowl, he made that offense go, and teams knew he was going to get the ball. And I think during the regular season, I think his worst game this year was like 6 for 60. I think about 15, 15 of the 17 games he was over 90 yards, but 145 catches, almost 2,000 yards, 16 touchdowns. It's a guy that he he really challenged the Calvin Johnson receiving record, you know, Marvin Harrison and Michael Thomas's catch record. This guy did it all. Thirty big plays, thirty catches over twenty yards. That led all the NFL. So what he did, wire to wire in that offense, he was he he had the best single season um, mark for a receiver this this year. He gets my award for Offensive Player of the Year. So, Defensive Player of the Year. Defensive Player of the Year. So, so Defensive Player of the Year, you know, it's it, it's hard not to give the record, or, or it's, it's hard not to give the award to T.J. Watt based on tying Michael Strahan's record for sacks. 22 and a half sacks. You look at some guys that had really good seasons, too. He had 
six more sacks, six, seven more sacks than Miles Garrett and Nick Bosa, leading the league in sacks, tackles for a loss. You know, the, 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 the pressure rate, too. So whenever a, a player breaks a record like that, like that sack record that was up for a long time, um, that just kind of speaks to the volume of the season he had. And he did it in 15 games, too. You know, a couple of games that he, he was hurt. But he had multiple four-sack games this year, completely wrecking the game. Um, so I'm going to give that one to T.J. Watt. Offensive Rookie of the Year. Offensive Rookie of the Year. This was one where it was a little, uh, it was a little iffy to start. Then Mac Jones kind of had the lead to the middle part of the year, but the way Jamar Chase came on, I'm going to give it to Jamar Chase. I think this guy makes the Bengals' offense go, and the Bengals obviously made the right choice at pick number five. Eighty-one catches. Over 1,400 yards and three touchdowns. Big plays, 22 plays over 20 yards. And this guy really came on at the end of the year, not only when the Bengals needed it, but really when the offensive rookie of the year was kind of, you know, it was in the balance. No, Nobody knew kind of who had the lead. I go back to that three-touchdown, 266-yard game he had against the Kansas City Chiefs, but he was the one single player to really change uh, the Bengals' offense and propel them into the playoffs and Super Bowl. And this is an offensive league, and this is a playmaker league. And Jamar Chase is going to have a lot of teams looking at receiver at the top of the draft. How do we find the next Jamar Chase? How do we get more explosive on offense? Defensive rookie of the year. Defensive rookie of the year. This one was pretty straightforward all year. It's Micah Parsons. And taking a look at what Micah Parsons did, he was a blue-chip player that helped change the Dallas defense into being a liability and turning that defense into a strength. And it was just the multiplicity that he had, whether it's playing Mike Backer He's perfect size for an edge. He had 13 sacks. I think that was the rookie record for sacks in the season. 20 20 tackles for loss. But he also could play middle linebacker, also sink into coverage. And just the sideline-to-sideline tackling ability that he had. That's a weapon when you have the Mike linebacker on defense being that quick to really stack and shed, chase down plays, whether it be outside zone, outside handoff, reverses like that and the added element of pass rushing. I don't even know if the Cowboys knew what they had in him before um, and deciding to line him up at edge. I think he could be, you know, if Michael Parsons were to play full-time defensive end, opposite of a Randy Gregory, but but if he were to play full-time defensive end, there's a chance that he could be the sack leader in the NFL. But what what a talent and what a pick that Dallas made. I think this is the easiest choice of all the awards right now. Michael Parsons, Defensive Rookie of the Year. How interesting is it that both the Offensive and Defensive Rookie of the Year both were COVID opt-outs? 
they were. Uh, I think that just goes to just the talent that they had, though. That these, I mean, you know, you just don't see that a lot. And, you know, everybody wants the next Jamar Chase at receiver. It's not many receivers that can opt out for the full season, come back in and do what Jamar Chase did. But both of them were very, very highly touted out of high school and just rare talents. Jamar Chase to come in and do what he did. Uh, and then Michael Parsons to step into the NFL level and, and have all that versatility. I think that I, I think that just goes to show you for the draft at least is talent will win out. And both those guys were just supremely talented that it was seen throughout their college careers and the opt out and step right back in was very impressive. But I think that just shows you just just the talent kind of is the number one thing when looking at uh, draft, uh, uh, draft prospects. So now let's get to this best quarterback. Great Darren Rogers here just for presumably winning MVP for a second straight year, but it's just the efficiency that he had that nobody else plays with the touchdown to interception ratio. Rarely had a bad game other than that first game against the Saints, leading the NFL in quarterback rating QBR. I'm going to go with Aaron Rodgers here. Best running back. Best running back. How about Jonathan Taylor to be able to play all 17 games and lapping the field in rushing yards this year. He had 18 touchdowns, also added a couple in the receiving game too, but he really changed the Colts offense into being a dominant attack that put them from a sub-500 team right up to having a win-and-in situation on the last week of the year. But this guy led the league in rushing. He was a bell cow all year. Had a couple of big, big time plays in overtime. Big time plays against the Patriots to seal a win. Those, those big home run hits that he could do. This guy did track at Wisconsin too. So yes, he's a big back at 230 pounds, but he could also break away from PBs as well. Over 300 carries, 1,800 yards, five and a half yards in attempt. All outstanding. This guy was the best running back this year. Wire to wire. Best wide receiver. Wide receiver, I think you gotta go Cooper Cup just just with the uh, with the triple crown that he was able to do this year. Now there were some really good candidates too. There there was a group of five that I felt throughout the regular season were were you know above everybody this year. It was Cup, Jefferson, Chase, Devontae Adams, and Debo Samuel. But wire to wire this year, Cup had the most catches, the most yards, the most touchdowns, big plays. I'm going to give it to Cooper Cup this year. Best offensive lineman. Best offensive lineman, 
How about Trent Williams, the left tackle out of San Francisco? This guy, I think, was one of the highest-graded players ever for Pro Football Focus, grading out a 98.5, almost perfect every week. And because of that, of how high he was graded, and I think the top player graded this year, along with the fact that he made All-Pro, and he was able to solidify and be the best player on that offensive line that was a solid offensive line to get guys like Elijah Mitchell loose, provide protection. I'm going to give it to him, along with the fact that late in the late in the season, when wrinkles were being added to the offense, this guy could also line up at fullback and tight end to go in motion, too. Um, he's just a very athletic player. He's getting up there in age, but he's still playing as good as anyone. And actually, let's do this too. Best interior lineman, because we got the tackle out of the way. Best interior offensive lineman. Best interior lineman. How about Joel Batonio, the Cleveland Browns? Joel Batonio, a third straight time being a Pro Bowl player. He was first team All Pro, so he has back to back All Pros. This guy came in. Another guy. Highly graded. I think he graded out second second on the Browns behind Miles Garrett. But he has been one of the preeminent interior linemen in the NFL. He got a contract extension as well. And, you know, here's here's another guy again. Really solid in the run game. Gives up minimal sacks a season. And he's a stalwart that he can plug and play for all 17 games. And also, let's do this too. Uh, best weapon. Best weapon? Yes. Yeah, so in this case, you know, I'm going to change it up here since we've mentioned Cooper Cup a lot. But you take a look at the weapons. How about Debo Samuel? And, and, and Debo Samuel was pretty good. And then Kyle Shanahan used him as that weapon. And he had nine carries the first ten weeks of the season. And then from weeks 11 to 18, he had, I think, 59 carries. And here's a guy that led the league in yards per catch and also in yards per carry. And they were, he was the San Francisco in between the tackles running back. That they would give him the ball in traditional handoffs, and he would he would get six, seven yards of carry. But throughout this year, you know, I take a look at Devo Samuel, and they put together just 1,800 yards, 14 touchdowns, and really be used as a weapon. And you saw in the playoff game that they would just get him the ball whatever way possible. Handoffs, sweeps, bubbles, traditional receiver routes, and he would he would make things happen with the ball in his hands. Best tight end. Best tight end this year? I think it was Mark Andrews. And he led all receivers. He, he, he had the tight end triple crown where he led all tight ends and in receptions, yards, touchdowns, and when Lamar Jackson went out, he actually got significantly better. 
Now, there's about a five, six-game sample size only, but if you were to extrapolate that out for 17 games, it was it was pseudo-video game numbers. But to have that triple crown uh, as a receiver and really being uncoverable, even though you know he's going to go across the middle, he's going to go right up the seam, and he's able to find that opening in between you know defenders in the zone, I'm going to give it to the guy that had the triple crown tight end this year, Mark Andrews. Best safety. Best safety. This year, I'm looking around. And I'm going to give it here. Daryl to Jordan Boyer. Yes. Because of what he did leading safety in interceptions. And it looked like the hide are really good. But he had four sacks, tackles for loss. So he's also making plays in the backfield as well. And, you know, solid defending the pass. Five interceptions. And... It's rare that both of those safeties are kind of leading the number one defensive unit. Usually it's a front seven player, maybe a shutdown corner. But I really think the Bills defense starts from the back end moving up with what those safeties could do. Starting off, you know, whether it be too high or moving one down, doing that after the snap, and their ability to make plays all over the field. I'm going to give it to Jordan Poyer here. Best corner. At corner for another year, Jalen Ramsey's. I still think the top corner in the game. Able to lock down this year. E.K. Metcalf. Able to lock down early in the season when they played Mike Evans. And really lining up he lines up for the Rams in that star position, so he could play both field and boundary corner. A lot of times he'd also line up to nickel as well, covering big tight ends. But this is another year, I think, where Jalen Ramsey is still the clear top corner in football. Best off-ball linebacker. Off-ball linebacker. Micah Parsons count. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Micah Parsons um, would be the pick here for kind of the things I said about defensive rookie of the year. But let me give you a second one to remember. Or you can call Parsons second. most versatile defensive player. Yeah. Okay. For all ball linebackers still, I'm going to give this the second name and we could go with him but but this is one where a lot of people don't know him he was kind of a late signing as just a throw-in for the Packers but Devontae Campbell and Devontae Campbell was third in the NFL in tackles 102 tackles um, and he came in starting 16 games and like I said he, he was a late a late moving free agency, a little one-year deal, and 
he was a great fit for that defense, and he ended up making all-pro, first-team all-pro at linebacker, a pro bowler, first time for both of those for Campbell. And I don't think anyone expected him to come in on a one-year deal like that, kind of being a journeyman player, and to play at that high of level. Devontae Campbell gets that award, and I think he probably would be in for a nice payday this offseason, whether it be with the Packers or somebody else. Best defensive end. Best defensive end for this year, you know, I'm going to go with T.J. Watt with the sacks. Leading the league in sacks, tackles for losses. He's right up there. When you take a look at some of those Advance per play numbers, pass rush win win rate, pressure rate. It's not all about the sacks. He's getting home consistently, getting quarterbacks off their spot. I just look at that first meeting in December with the Ravens, and he had that batted ball on the two-point conversion, several batted balls, four sacks on Lamar Jackson that game. That was one of two games where he had four sacks. Uh, That Monday night game against Cleveland just totally wrecking the game. I'm going to give it to him because of the really the two areas that I look for in impacting games from the defensive end position at edge rusher spot. Sacks, getting home to the quarterback, tackles for loss making those big plays in the backfield. T.J. Watt led the NFL in both those. Best interior defensive lineman. Best interior defensive lineman. For another year, going with Aaron Donald inside. And Aaron Donald just had another casual 12-and-a-half sack year. 19 tackles for loss. But it's, it's, it's interesting with him because he's 30 years old and he's won Defensive Player of the Year three out of four years in a stretch like that. But he, he's doing exactly what he's been doing from the last several years, 2019 to 2020. He, he's right up there. His sacks, his tackles and activity haven't dropped off. This is a guy that could still wreck the game, especially watching him it's not all in the box score it's some of the things he does which is pushing the pocket making the quarterback try to escape the pocket right into the hands of Leonard Floyd or Von Miller I think all three of those defensive linemen for the Rams play off each other but it starts up front right up the middle with Aaron Donald best coach best coach there was a lot of quality applicants this year. And for best coach, for coach of the year, here, I'm going to give it to Mike Brabel. And they had the, uh, the, the number one seed in the AFC, but they were able to continue on without their best player, Derrick Henry, when they were doing pretty good. They were at were near the top of the AFC and they kept on doing that. 
And also, this one, I think, kind of gives him the cake in this instance, Daryl, is I believe the Titans led the NFL in players played this year. With all of the injuries they had, with all of the guys on IR, not just with Derrick Henry and Julio Jones, but their whole whole team, I think they led the NFL in players that played this year for them. And they had COVID as well. I think they had over over 85 guys at some point played for them. So just, just maneuvering that roster and bringing guys up off the street, off the practice squad and contributing and getting them up to speed and still winning each week when they were really losing the box score and getting outgained a lot of times on the team with more first downs and to be able to still pull out wins like that I'm going to give it in this case to the coach that oversaw the number one team in the AFC the Tennessee Titans best assistant coach best assistant coach this is a good one because this often propels people into um, into the head coaching ranks. But this year, looking around, I'm going through the division leaders right now. You know, I'm going to give it to Leslie Fraser. Yes. Yeah, defensive coordinator of the Bills. Now, now Brian Dable, I gave it to last year. Um, looking across the spectrum, you also have guys like Eric Bieniemy, Kellen Moore, and Dan Quinn for sure. Um, kind of the job defensive coordinator Joe Barry did of the Packers. D'Amico Ryan's late in the year, but but Leslie Frazier had the number one defense this year throughout the regular season. And the job they did on the Patriots was extremely impressive. But they, but, but the Bills were number one in total yards, passing defense, scoring defense, third down, first downs allowed. They were number one in all those significant metrics. And they did it with only two pro bowlers, both those safeties. And they lost for various award, who I think is their best defensive player. But to be number one in all of those significant metrics, I'm going to give this year... The, the assistant coach of the year to Leslie Frazier. Best offensive, best play caller on offense. Best play caller. You know, it's hard to go against what Kyle Shanahan did, especially in the back half of the year when they were three and five. And they ended up going seven and two the last nine games to make the playoffs. And it, it, it wasn't just you know, it's the back half of the year, but I'm looking at that drive they had. Two drives against Cincinnati in December. Drives to tie the game and take the lead. When they were just long, just slowly matriculating the ball down the field. Having a walk-off touchdown against um, the Bengals in overtime. They went right down the field, calling up plays. Uh, seeing what they were able to do in the playoffs when it seemed like they needed a big drive. Kyle was dialing up plays and getting guys open for Jimmy Garoppolo. And that run that they went on was very impressive, including throughout the playoffs where they were the only wild card team to win 
and they ended up going to the NFC Championship. But Kyle was in a really big rhythm down the stretch and able to get players the ball at the end when they needed to. It's about players, not plays. And to be able to scheme open all of that for guys like Debo Samuel and Kittle, I'm going to give it to Kyle Shanahan here. So we're going to do is especially, especially doing that with with I think a lesser quarterback than say a Sean McVay or an Andy Reid as well. And that's fair. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break and then kind of next out of the break on Barbershop Sports Talk, we're going to talk a little bit more about some more NFL awards. Kind of next out of the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. NFL Analysis Network is your one-stop source for coverage of all 32 teams. We provide in-depth analysis, news, and opinions about all things football. Since you're online anyway, check out NFLanalysis.net. Elevation 5280 Sports exclusive new teammate on the gridiron. Story time has always been a special time. Once upon a time. No, not that story time. We take a break from the norm and dive into stories from soccer and football alike. From the U.S. to Argentina to Australia and back. Join Seth Singleton every Wednesday evening at 6 Mountain for stories from the pit. All of that even comes into play when you sort of know at some point as a high school or college player on some development program or when you get the chance to compete with others that you have that feeling of knowing that this isn't where my journey ends. This isn't where my story ends. This isn't where things end for me, let alone. Is this actually one of the biggest moments? Is this simply part of the package? Once again, catch Stories from the Pits with Seth Singleton every Wednesday at 6 Mountain for Stories from the Pit. Roberto Carlos looking for the bend! Oh my word! Unbelievable strike from Roberto Carlos! Once again, Catch stories from the pitch with Seth Singleton every Wednesday at 6 Mountain, only on Elevation5280sports.com. Careful, it's tough to breathe up here. This segment on Elevation 5280 Sports is brought to you by the NFL Analysis Network, your one-stop source for all 32 teams. With Barbershop Sports Talk, and we still have Kenny Sim with us, scouting expert of 247 Sports, as we're doing our NFL awards. So, I have a little bit of uh, some different NFL awards, your non traditional awards, and I just have a list and I have a couple names. Okay, Kenny? Okay. So, first, most annoying fan. Here are your choices Jackson Mahomes and Brittany Mahomes, or other. If there's any other fans who are more annoying than those two. Jackson Mahomes, completely, <laughs> just completely intolerable to see on the sidelines and throwing champagne from their suite. Well, I think that was Brittany. That was Brittany. Yeah, both them in, both them in cahoots, but surprising that kind of a, you know, Patrick made it out somewhat normal and somewhat likable actually I think he's a very likable player um, but he got all the good genes and stuff I guess and Jackson Mahomes just completely intolerable how would that change the NFL if Patrick Mahomes acted like Jackson 
Would that make Patrick like the biggest villain in NFL history? Yeah, I mean, he'd definitely be a. I mean, he'd definitely be playing that villain role. Um, <laughs> yeah, to be able to, you know, do that with beating teams as well, probably adding both on the field, off the field, being a villain. So my next category is biggest choke job in the postseason. The Bills losing to the Chiefs. Can't get that stop with 13 seconds left. The Cardinals versus the Rams just getting embarrassed on national TV. The Cowboys versus the Niners. uh, The end of the game debacle. And the Chiefs versus the Bengals giving up like a 20-point lead or close to that. Biggest choke job. Yeah, those are all pretty good, but I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with the Kansas City Chiefs losing at home to the Bengals when they tied the Patriots for the biggest blown lead in a conference championship in the NFL at eighteen points. And to be up twenty one to three then get outscored 24 to 3 the rest of the game and in that second half too where I mean it was between Patrick Mahomes running around like a high school quarterback for 10 seconds and scrambling and finding no one open and, and you know the defense not being able to get a stop and, and in overtime you know, it, it could have been a pick six to end the game with Eli Apple. And then ensuing play, bad pass to Tyreek Hill. But it was just being at home and up 18 points and, and being in full control, too, and losing that game. I think that is the biggest show job. And there is going to be, I think, a lot of soul searching with Patrick Mahomes, a lot of soul searching with Kansas City. And that dynasty talk quickly went out the window. I mean, it's hard to be able to top Brady seven. I mean, for four years in the AFC title game, they have won Super Bowl. It just goes to show you how hard it is to, to you know, get back to the Super Bowl and actually win one that they have won in four years. Now, very impressive still, but 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 you know, having that lead where they would probably be the favorite in the Super Bowl against the NFC winner. But blowing that 18-point lead at home, I think there's going to be a lot of soul-searching this offseason in Kansas City. Most disappointing team this year. Here are your choices. The Washington football team, the Cleveland Browns, the Seattle Seahawks. You know, in this case here, In this case here still, I'm going to go with the Seattle Seahawks because they were a division winner last year and, you know, they were 5-10 at one point and I think they won two late games to kind of get that seven-win mark. But not, not only that was a disappointing season, um, disappointing on the defensive side of the football defensive coordinator fired and I know Russell Wilson 
was hurt for a period of time. But I think it also went to show you that even without Russell Wilson, that this is not a good roster. And you look at just just the teams that have passed them up, the the Rams, the uh, the 49ers, and the Cardinals, is their their future trajectory looks like the worst out of those three. And we'll have to see about some of the quarterback changes with, with Trey Lance or Garoppolo and and how Cliff Kingsbury does, but this is a this kind of propelled them that the roster is not is not ready to win it's another Super Bowl with Russell Wilson right now. It's it's not a good roster. They don't have any first round pick this year. And you know, they have to be looking at the fact is do we keep playing and, and, and trying, or do we kind of go into looking to trade Wilson, or do we rebuild with him? But this is not a a, a you know a top ten team, top ten roster in the NFL, and it kind of got exposed a little bit when Wilson got hurt. He was not able to kind of mask some of the flaws that they have. Most surprising team. Here are your choices. The Patriots, the Titans, and the Bengals. It's definitely got to be the Bengals. The Bengals were a consensus last place team in the AFC North. And their pre-Super Bowl odds, I believe, were 50-1. to But they had the same odds to win the Super Bowl as the Jets. The Jaguars had higher odds than them. They were picked to finish last. And they have been on a run. You know, a run since that, since since they dismantled the Ravens the day after Christmas. They've been on a huge run. And they've been, and, and, and they made the Super Bowl. And you know, I don't know if anyone had them before the playoffs started to make the Super Bowl, let alone anyone before the year having them even sniffing the playoffs. We knew they were going to be frisky. If you paid attention to the scores, we both said that in the in, in the preseason podcast that the Bengals are going to be frisky, but they turned into a tough a, a tough team to knock out. And you know, to go from last place four wins last year to the Super Bowl. I think definitely most surprising team. Best game of the year. So I'm going to give you a list of games. And for this one, we can rank the games because I think this is interesting. So Dallas versus Tampa Bay. That was the opening night game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tampa Bay versus the New England Patriots. That was Brady's last game in Foxborough. Yeah, the Cleveland Browns versus the Chargers. That 40, that was like almost 100 points combined. That was an amazing game. Yeah, the Bills versus Chiefs. Mahomes Allen showed out in the playoffs. And I had the Ravens versus Chiefs, that Sunday night game where uh, the Ravens get a Lamar run to kind of ice it. Oh, Ravens, Chiefs, yeah. Yeah, week two. So who would be number one for you out of all those games? Number one, definitely Bills, Chiefs. One of the best games I've ever seen. Who would I mean, be? That, that is going to be an instant classic. 
for years is right. that 2000, 2022 divisional round game. Who would be two? Two? Two, I would go with... I would go with Patriots box. Just, just the... The surreal scene at Foxborough to see Tom Brady in opposing uniform, and he broke the record for passing yards all time, I believe, in that game. And the finish was really good. He, you know, it was close throughout. Patriots actually went down and they took the lead, and then, you know, I know Antonio Brown had a nice little touchdown pass go right through his arms and. The Patriots were able to, or the uh, Bucks were able to pull it out. Um, you know, missed the elbow at the end, questionable decision, all that good stuff. But the game was choppy, but it was really exciting, I thought, at the end. And, you know, to see that narrative of Brady going to Foxborough in a different uniform, I think that kind of stole the show. But the game, at least the last half of the fourth quarter, was very good. Who would be third on your list? The third was that Browns Chargers game. That that was a that was a game that a lot of NFL fans liked. They, they had a fourth fourth down opportunities for both teams. You know, I think it was I think there was twenty six points scored in the first three quarters, and I think the fourth quarter had forty one points scored. And you know, because of that finish. Um, you know they Chargers scored the Browns let them score to get the ball back because they needed to get the ball back uh, over I think over a thousand yards of offense that game would be number three who would and be then four? four yeah four would be I think Chiefs Ravens that game was back and forth they had the Ravens overcoming a two touchdown deficit I believe and beating a team that they were what they were 0-3 against and taking down the Chiefs remember that game late in that game the Chiefs were going in and Clyde Edwards fumbled the ball and the Ravens were able to seal that game on fourth down in their own territory they had a Lamar Jackson run to seal it that game got exciting late you know, that was a, I think that was what, that, that, that was a 38-35, just uh, a high-scoring Sunday night game. And then the last one would be that Bucks-Cowboys game. First game of the year, but Bucks were kind of in control of that game. Cowboys made a close late, and I do believe that Brady made a couple of plays late. The Cowboys didn't. And that game was closer than a lot of people thought. I think I think that game was an eight and a half point line that ended up, I think, thirty one twenty nine. And as that as the season progressed, that looked like a pretty good loss by the Cowboys. And you know, Cowboys didn't have the highest expectations coming into the year, but when they started getting, you know. 7-1, looking good. You look back at that one loss. Wasn't that bad of a loss considering, you know, how, how, how Tampa was doing throughout the year. 
So now let's go to this one. Most shocking game of the year. Uh-huh. Titans blow out the Rams on Sunday Night Football. Titans blow out the Chiefs during the regular season. Remember this one, we're all like, what the F's going on in Kansas City? Bills blow out the Patriots in the wild card game. And Rams blow out the Cardinals in the playoff game. Most shocking game of the year. Most shocking game would have to be, I think, I'm going to go back to that wild card round. Bills taking the Patriots behind the woodshed. That game came in. People had that 50-50. And, and you know who you are if you had the Patriots in that game winning outright. But third time both these teams were playing. I think third time in the last, what, last, you know, 35 days or something that they played. So there's a lot of familiarity. The cold weather and, and you know, precipitation. I think there might be some balls on the ground, some fluke turnovers. And wire to wire, the Bills completely undressed the Patriots in that game. That game was never close from the state. The over-under was like... possession. The the over under in that game was like forty, exactly. and not not only would you would have bet the under, but the Bills yeah. covered the over by themselves alone. <laughs> they did, and to do that to a Belichick defense, and that was a you know that was a top five defense in a lot of metrics, and the Bills went I think seven touchdowns on seven possessions. You know, very very surprising. You know, I had that playoff game looking at that wild card round being one of the more closer games, you know, and that game was, you know, over over when it was 14 nothing. It just felt like watching the first couple of possessions. This is going to be all Bills. So, best QB wide receiver connection. We have Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, Tom Brady and Antonio Brown slash Rob Gronkowski, Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup, Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill. Best QB wide receiver slash tight end, I guess, because I picked Gronkowski in here connection. Really like here Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. And that connection is going to be lethal for years to come. And, you know, I, I the success of that tandem, I think, if applicable, would have teams looking at, do we take a receiver or quarterback that had really good success with their count with, with their teammate in college, and do we mix them up and, and do we match them together? Like, you know, Tula and Waddle and, and Burks and Devontae Smith and, and Burrow and Chase. Can we replicate that because of just how how seamless both of them stepped in to the Bengals this year and that connection was as good as any connection in football. And anytime third down, one on one coverage, Burrow would go to Chase, back shoulder face, slant, whatever the case might be. And that was on display no more obvious 
that that week 16 game or the week 17 game against the Chiefs. Three touchdowns, 266 yards. And Burrow just said, you know, when in trouble, he had that saying, when in trouble, just just throw it deep downfield and Jamar is, Jamar is somewhere down there to come down with that. But I, I really think with how good both those guys are on an individual basis, that that is going to be a really tough duo to stop. And it's right up there with Mahomes and Hill, Rodgers and Adams. But that might be the preeminent quarterback wide receiver duo here in the future. But that that was tough to stop. It's been tough. It has been tough to stop all playoffs too. Biggest upset of the year: Jets beat Titans. Jets beat Bengals. Jaguars beat Bills. Jaguars beat Colts. Here in this case. has to be Jaguars over the Colts. And I think that might have the biggest point spread. I think the Bills were favored by 14 and a half, 15 points. Same as the Colts, but your Bills are off the hook in this case, Daryl, because considering the stakes of that Week 18 game, the Jaguars had the number one pick locked up. The worst team in the NFL. The Colts had the win. And not only do they lose to the Bills lost by three, nine to six. Not only do they lose, the Jaguars blow out the Colts and they out physical the Colts, which is the Colts MO. They out physical them on both sides of the lines. And the Colts simply had a win and in scenario against the worst team in the league to make the playoffs. And the Jaguars completely destroy them <laughs> going up and down the field that was the biggest upset of the year I think considering the stakes it kept the Colts out of the playoffs and there's uh, another team got to be a long look this year at Carson Wentz and Frank Wright but you know for as bad as Tre- Trevor Lawrence was that was his best game of the year I mean that was as good as he looked all year he, he, he looked really good in that game too I think they came out he was 11 for 11 uh, if I remember correctly, but it's what a disappointing end of the season for the Colts. With you know, if you could have picked your opponent, like a pick your opponent match to make the playoffs, you would have picked the Jaguars. They're the worst team in the league, and the Jaguars completely undressed them. So, worst quarterback performance of the year, and if you have any other nominations, please let me know for this one. Justin Fields versus the Browns. Geno Smith versus the Saints. Almost all of Sam Darnold starts. And Davis Mills versus the Buffalo Bills. Worst start here. How about uh, about Sam Darnold starts? It might have been a, uh, you know, look, look, looking at uh, looking at Sam Darnold in this case. <laughs> he had some clunkers, and they they were kind of messing around at the quarterback position with, you know, PJ Walker and Cam Newton. But if I remember, there there was a specific game though. 
against the Patriots. Three interceptions, under 50% completion, but, you know, as as the year went on, they kind of gave him a second opportunity, and it was bad. There was just a lot of just very unacceptable performances, but it was this start, Daryl. It, it, it was against the Patriots. They lost 24-6, to 48% completion, zero touchdowns, three interceptions, a QBR of two. That was the one. The one Darnold start out of many bad ones after a, a decent start to, for, for the first three games, but... Yeah, I'm going to go with that one there. Most dominant player, Derrick Henry, Aaron Donald, Miles Garrett, T.J. Watt. Most dominant player. You know, I'm still going to go with, I think, which is... A lot would consider still the best player, best player in football, regardless of position. Aaron Donald, and it is, it is just a handful. And you know, watching the game, I know a lot of times you're taking a look at quarterbacks, you're taking a look at the perimeter. A lot of times, you you, you know, you don't focus in at the interior of the line, but Aaron Donald is a complete force to be reckoned with, double and triple teams, still pushing the pocket back and for the Rams, one of the one one, one of the things for the Rams um, you know they, they had a ton of things go right for them this year, but one of the main reasons they got to the Super Bowl I think is that defensive line and applying pressure but it starts with Aaron Donald up front, pushing the pocket taking on multiple bodies and that also opens up then Leonard Floyd and Von Miller, who looks very young right now. It's back to his Denver days. But it, it, it starts with Aaron Donald, whether he's getting a pressure or a sack, or he should be getting some sack assists for those other guys, too, from when the quarterback escapes, goes right into the arms of one of those edge rushers. But those three guys on that defensive line, it's, it's one of the main reasons why I think they got to the Super Bowl this year. Breakout player of the year. Trayvon Diggs, Jeffrey Simmons, Marquise Brown. Breakout player here. Sticking to the interior, I think, is Jeffrey Simmons. Now, Jeffrey Simmons, I believe he was an uh, all-pro as well. At defensive tackle with Aaron Donald. Now, there is a, you know, there there is a gap between, you know, Aaron Donald and the second best defensive tackle. But I do think that second defensive tackle is uh, Jeffrey Simmons. And if you watch Jeffrey Simmons play too, he is very dominant as well. He had eight sacks this year, but he gets his hands on on. on passes deflected at the line of scrimmage and he was the second best defensive tackle this year behind Aaron Donald and there is a gap but if you watch Jeffrey Simmons this guy could take over a game on the interior as well and 
you know, one of the question marks this year with the Titans to make the playoffs with their defense, it was their front four that was the best, you know, group for them on the defensive side of the ball with Bud Dupree, Danico Autry, Harold Landry, but all of them are helped out by Jeffrey Simmons. Biggest impact acquisition. Matthew Judon, Trey Hendrickson, Matthew Stafford. Here I think it's got to be Matthew Stafford. And seeing what he's been able to do in the playoffs has really vindicated himself and a lot of people always taking shots at Matthew Stafford in Detroit. That was not the problem in Detroit. And you take a look at what he's been doing in the playoffs, those those three games. Two teams that blitz heavy, Bucks, Cardinals. He was number one against the Blitz. Carved them up. San Francisco. They lost six straight. Got the monkey off their back there. But in the playoffs, Matt I mean Matt Matthew Stafford, the run this guy is on. Six touchdowns, one interception, 72% completion percentage, 116 quarterback rating. He has really elevated this game. And the ability to make those big-time throws, specifically to Cooper Cup, and if he does not make that throw, if they go into overtime, who knows what happens. But Matthew Stafford has been playing at a – his highs have been outstanding this year. Specifically to start off the season, but but what he's doing in the playoffs has been, you know, something that probably they thought that they were going to get when they traded for him, and probably a little bit above expectations. Best backup QB performance: Colt McCoy versus the Forty ers Cooper Rush versus the Vikings, Mike White versus the Bengals. Or I'll pick and I'll pick Keenum in there too. Case Keenum versus the Broncos. Hey, I think it was, I think it was that Mike White performance. He came in against the Bengals, and I think what I think he threw for four hundred yards that game. Yeah. Yeah, he threw like four hundred yards and three touchdowns, and you know he's doing it on the Jets. Not a lot of expectations with him uh, coming into that backup role, but. He came out of nowhere. They had three touchdowns and over 400 yards against the Bengals in one of the upsets of the year, and he had that. He had a pretty, uh, a pretty spectacular two-game stretch before it fizzled out. But that performance too, clearly outdoing Joe, Joe Burrow. But coming off the bench for 400 yards, going back to quarterback. Very impressive. I don't think anyone else can say that. Most unsung player of the year. Leonard Floyd, Cooper Cup, Debo Samuel, Micah Hyde, Derek Carr. You know, all these are... You know, solid, but I think it was the run 
that Debo Samuel kind of went on and being a, you know being a pretty good player to really being a weapon that you know being being in the league that is full of archetypes and people wanting the next so and so the next archetype Debo Samuel is one of those guys I think teams would be looking for how do we get the next Debo Samuel how do we draft the next Debo Samuel and I don't know if he can replicate the exact thing that he does because he is a force and takes on contact he, he had an outstanding receiver year you know top 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 five in yards but then to also get the ball as a running back too I think a lot of teams are going to be looking for how do we get our best players to football whether it be via pass or run and the run that he went on at the end of the year coincides with the run the 49ers went on to make the playoffs and go to round three. But he became one of my favorite players in the league. And, you know, really that that second half flip that they were able to do when, when, when they featured him um, was, was extremely impressive. So let's go to this. Biggest controversy of the NFL season. I want you to rank these in order, too, because we had a lot of controversies this year. We have the Gruden emails, the Urban Meyer wife incident. Well, we could put a couple Urban Meyers. We could have the Urban kicking the player in the head, say he's that ball coach. We could make that in its own category, too. Aaron Rodgers lying about the vaccine. Odell Beckham versus, uh, versus Baker. Antonio Brown taking his helmet and shoulder pads off and Brian Flores suing the NFL for uh, racial discrimination. Well, just all of those are just, all of those were the top stories at their time, you know, when, when it happened. And it's been a long season. Just it felt like the Gruden emo for so long ago, but is that, that was in October. Um, the biggest surprise or, or the biggest controversy there were so many this is tough what were some of the begin- in, in the middle half so Gruden emails Urban Meyer wife incident uh, Urban Meyer kicking a kicker in the head saying he's the head ball coach Aaron Rodgers lying about the vaccine Odell Beckham versus Baker Mayfield, Antonio Brown leaving the Bucks, and Brian Flores suing the NFL. Yeah. So we have seven. Seven. Yeah, I think the number one here, the, like the number one, and, and and they're all, you know, kind of on their, they're all kind of once in a season type thing. But I think number one is is, is Urban Meyer not 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 taking the plane ride home on Thursday night. And staying in Ohio to go to Dublin at his bar is there. There were so many people that said, "I have been in the NFL for so long. I have never seen a coach not take the plane ride home." Where you got to win as a team and lose as a team, that has never happened before. And they could have probably fired him for cause during that, but once that happened, it was just a snowball of 
you know, mistakes after mistake that really, I think, it was Urban Meyer that fired Urban Meyer. Who would be, what would be number two for you? Number two here would be, it'd probably be that scene that took place in New York and Antonio Brown undressing and then leaving the field when he said he did not want to go in the game or he was hurt or something and just just to end it and quit on the spot and everyone's looking at him as he's just going off into the tunnel to some cheers but leaving that you know that that and they kind of just quit in the middle of the game like that that was something that I've never seen before you've never seen before and then kind of the just the betrayal that took place after that where he, he's he's going on media rounds ripping Tom Brady when Tom Brady threw him a lifeline and his career his career was over in the NFL Tom Brady threw him a lifeline to get back on the team get back on the box and back in the NFL but that's that's just the ticking time bomb that is Antonio Brown and if he wants to get back in the NFL this year teams have to consider that now this has been four teams now since 2018 but when it ends with Antonio Brown, it ends bad. It ends really bad. What would number three be? <clears throat> three would be... You know, I think that... I think three would be that... The Gruden emails that kind of surfaced out of nowhere. It surfaced from the investigation on the Washington football team, but for that to resurface where there's got to be other people involved, but somehow the one person that had to kind of take the fall was John Gruden, but also at the time, John Gruden did not work in the NFL. He was at ESPN at the time, and for those you know, for, for that to come out and resurface, there was somebody that wanted John Gruden out. That was a professional <laughs> job. And, you know, that it, it was kind of mentioned a little bit in the Wall Street Journal and media on that Friday, and they then they played the game on Sunday, and then it quickly turned in the middle of Monday Night Football. But it was just so quick how that uh, it was just so quick how that just really snowballed. What would four be for you? Four would probably be Odell Beckham going to his dad to make some video completely slandering the quarterback of the team and then forcing or or essentially quitting on the Browns and they ended up releasing him 
And I don't understand how people are saying, oh, how Odell is free from Cleveland. Cleveland could have deactivated him, and they could have kept him on the roster throughout the season, not have him join another team, and just deactivated him, like the Texans did to Deshaun Watson. And and the Browns would have done that. And, and they helped him out. They released him. He's able to clear through waivers and join any team. So I don't think the Browns did him wrong at all. But that's just a, it's just a different world that we live in. To turn an Instagram video into a major storyline forcing a release of a player. What would number five be? How many we got left? We well, have Aaron Rodgers. We still have Aaron Rodgers. We have Urban Meyer kicking a player in the head because he's the head ball coach. And we have Brian Flores suing the NFL. Then I would, yeah, then, 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 to knock out the final three, then Brian Flores, because, you know, that seems like that would be a subplot of the offseason that is going to stick around for a while. It's going to probably keep coming up whether it gets to court or not and going through the legal process going through the discovery process of what they want to what they want to get out in public what they don't what they're trying to hide how that ends if it even goes to court but but that that was a big move to sue the league that he's trying to get back in the NFL that, that he's, he's, he's suing the league he's trying to get back into and the, the potential ramifications if it does get bad could be significant for the NFL but that would be one where unlike the other two this could linger and probably draw more people in then six or the uh, next one would be Aaron Rodgers saying he was immunized but did not say but, but did not say he was vaccinated though and that is two different meanings but reporters assumed that meant vaccinated, and then he was not, and that caused, you know, a little bit of a stir. And then the last one was all alleged, but it's not good when something like that is alleged of kicking a player and saying, I'm the head ball coach. <laughs> but, but, that was all alleged, though, Daryl. But I think a lot of people think that was probably true, though. <laughs> That's player, and everyone's probably saying, you know, I don't know if that's true or not. There's not a lot of, you know, witnesses, but I could definitely see Urban doing that. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. And then kind of next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk, me and Kenny, we're going to talk about the Senior Bowl. Kind of next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Missed anything during the week from our live shows? Maybe a hot take or hilarious exchange? A groundbreaking opinion or money-making prediction? The BLL is, I'm pretty sure, going to eliminate the MLL very shortly. If not this season, probably next season. Work on getting another receiver right now. Yeah, another offensive lineman. Joker was totally out the picture. Because when he's out there, he's like a sack of potatoes. No worries, we've got you covered. 
head on over to Elevation5280sports.com and click on the Shows tab. Or to Mixcloud and search Elevation 5280 Sports, and all of our podcasts are right there at your fingertips. For those listeners who didn't feel that, we just had another one, baby. Elevation5280sports.com. Careful, it's tough to breathe up here. This segment on Elevation 5280 Sports is brought to you by Wix.com. Creating a website has never been easier. Barbershop Sports Talk. We should have Kenny Sim with us. So, Kenny, you got a chance to really dig into and really break down this senior bowl that went down this past weekend. Uh, had a lot of practices. We had the game. I, I just want to get first your biggest takeaways from practicing the game. Yeah, they've just, they've just done a really good job at the senior bowl of getting you know, the live stream at practice, ESPNU and ESPN2 was watching that all week. Recap shows the game. But I think the biggest takeaway for me, Daryl, is the, just how much better the Senior Bowl has gotten over the years and the talent that is here in Mobile. And last year, 41% of the draft were players in that senior bowl, 106 out of the 256. 41% of the draft, if you kept it the same, 41% of the draft played in that game yesterday or participated during the week. There were six players last year that got drafted in the first round. So for me, is this is a really good start to the draft. Is taking, you know, the 106, 110 players in that game as the initial draft board and then you have all the underclassmen who, who are the ones that are going to go in like the top five, the top ten. And that is a really good start. You know, that's probably about almost 200 players total. And that's really, you know, you got the draft right there. But it, it was just, just how much better, you know, just over the years and the talent that was in place. And there's guys all over the field at all different positions that participated. That this is a really good start. And now, next, or now this coming week, the next few weeks, uh, with only one game on the Super Bowl, is I could go back and take a look, you know, at everything that was written and seen during that week to get an assessment because there was a lot of good performances as well. So let's talk about the quarterback. So Kenny Pickett was there. Uh, Desmond Ritter was there, I think, right? How, what did you make of the quarterback play? Yeah, quarterback play, you know, maybe the big winner this week was Matt Corral. Because it could have left some teams, you know, could have left some teams, you know, thinking if they want to invest a first-round pick, probably a top-10 pick to get their top quarterback, top-15 pick, on, you know, whoever is picked there there's going to be a lot of risk and there's going to be a big development, I think, that needs to take place to actually be worthy of 
beginning on that top 10, top 15 pick and having a franchise quarterback. That, that's a big risk for teams. So, with that being said, it was off and on from all those guys. I mean, Kenny Pickett really struggled on Wednesday when it was raining. Ball was fluttering in the rain and the downpour. That's one thing, too. Maybe a little bit smaller hands. reason why there was a lot of fumbles throughout his career at Pitt. But he's he's not like a six foot two hundred pound quarterback. He's 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 six three two and a quarter, and he throws with really good anticipation. Malik Willis, Malik Willis, if, this is this is a project here, and I think teams are going to pick him, and fans are going to want him on the field quickly. Guy got a howitzer of an arm, the revolutions of his throws. Big arm, able to run. However, all sporadic. A couple of times in a seven on seven, not seeing the guy open. A read here and there. Guys wide open, didn't see him, didn't throw the ball, skipping it in. There are inconsistencies, but there's a lot to work with, though. Sam Howell, Sam Howell, I thought played pretty good yesterday, but he's another guy. Kind of the ball fluttering a little bit. Looked like he was laboring the throw. Um, and then of the other guys, you know, Carson Strong, I thought, didn't potentially separate himself uh, a couple of time, times, you know, as a practice. You know, they're going against air. He went over fourth throwing a couple of bubble screens and passes like that. Judgment Ritter, solid, but I don't think, you know, I think he would come in and be a, a, a backup that you would like a lot for years and could potentially start. Then Bailey Zappi, a guy that revolved Joe Burrow's passing records, you know, he was probably, I would say, I would say fifth or sixth of the six that competed. But I don't, I mean, I think if, you know, I think one and two would probably be Pickett and Willis. But I think there's still a lot of questions about if we take them in the top 10 or top 15 just because it's a bad quarterback class but we need a quarterback, how would those guys stack up compared to other top 10 quarterbacks throughout the last few years because that is going to be the competition that they're going to face in the NFL. How about at other positions like wide receiver, running back? Anybody that caught your eye there? Yeah, there's a lot of receivers I like. The three receivers that I would say keep an eye on would be one Jalen Tolbert out of South Alabama had a couple of touchdowns this guy's an explosive player he's about six foot six one one ninety five he could run he's a guy that was making plays to watch out for the other one probably the best receiver at the senior bowl was Christian Watson of FCS North Dakota State. Yeah, well, you know, go watch some Trey Lance film. Christian Watson's the guy that's sticking out in the film. He's 6'4", 215, long arm, big body, a guy that you could develop in the red zone, you know, going to draw some pass interference calls. He was probably the best all-around receiver there. And then third to keep an eye on is Calvin Austin the third out of Memphis. Calvin Austin... Five feet eight, 170 pounds. This guy just makes plays. So you give him the ball in space and let him work. He, he caught a 
pass downfield in a scramble drill late in the fourth quarter of that game. It's just kind of that ad-libbing of the quarterback. Calvin Austin could be a guy that could get loose, uh, but he's, he's really quick, really explosive player, and he makes things happen when the ball is in his hands. Running back, I thought the best running back, you know, it's tough because the defense has such an advantage in this situation, but of the running backs, I thought the best one was still probably uh, Brian Robinson of Alabama. A couple of times, I think it was on the Thursday practice, he's on the Detroit staff. Um, he was on the team of the Detroit staff. Dan Campbell wants a lot of competition. They had a blitz period, and they had about three times Brian Robinson against linebacker from Georgia, Ken Tatum. And Brian Robinson, I mean, they were going back and forth, a lot of pops, but he is outstanding in pass protection. I think he's a three-down running back. He was probably the best one of of the bunch at the senior bowl. How about a tight end? Anybody that caught your eye there? A tight end's really strong. The, uh, uh, the, the two that really stick out, I think, is Cole McBride, Colorado State. He is one to watch out for as early as round two, maybe the top tight end in the class. And then just a steady player, Jake Ferguson, tight end out of Wisconsin. This is just a guy that is just solid across the board. Catching the ball, running the drag route, blocking. He's just one of those tight ends that you're going to take, you know, round three, round four. But he's just a guy that could be one of the two tight ends in that two tight end set of an offense for several years and just be a, just a steady, steady player. How about an offensive line? The offensive line, this was one where there's a lot of good players. It, it was one, it was the Kennard kid out of, uh, out of Kentucky. Probably the best one of the group was the center from Boston College, Zion Johnson. He could play some center, some guard. He had a really strong week. Those are the, those are the two as well. I'm just going through the roster here. Those are the two. Um, let me take a look at the national team because there's a lot of guys. The Northern Iowa kid, Trevor Penning. Trevor Penning, about six, about six five and above. Really physical player really violent player. He was throwing guys to the ground. He was giving them some mouth coming back to the huddle. But I'd rather have a guy that you need to try to tone down than someone that you need to try to get more out of them. But he was a, I mean, he's an FCS kid, and he did a really good job against a lot of Power 5 defensive ends this week. And Trevor Penning is a tackle that I think is going to go in the first round. And, and have a, you, know, you take him in the first round, maybe 20 and on, and he's a guy that can step in for a team and I think start immediately. Now let's go to defense. How about a cornerback? Yeah, so at, at cornerback, this is one where a couple of guys that I liked. The first one is the Georgia kid, Deion Kendrick. He was at Clemson. He transferred over. He had a solid week. The other one was Roger McCreary, 
cornerback for Auburn. This is a guy that just makes plays. He doesn't have the elite height. Arms a little short, under 30 inches, about 29 and a half. But he makes enough plays where you could draft him. He'll be one of the top three, four corners on a team, maybe slide into a nickel roll. I think ceiling as a potential number two corner on a team. And then one to keep an eye on, Tariq Woolen out of Texas San Antonio. This is a 6'2", 205-pound corner. Longest corner there. They track all the GPS. He was the fastest player at the Senior Bowl. He got up to 22 and change miles per hour. This is a long, fast corner that I think you can develop. Probably a day three guy. A lot of tricks to work with, though. What about at safety? At safety was not as strong of the defensive back position, but the two, but but a few to keep an eye out is Cam Taylor Britt of Nebraska would be one, and then the Baylor kid, Jalen Petrie. Had an interception in the game. Made some plays during the week. He is one I think you're going to want to keep an eye out on. Um, Wasn't the top. Safety is not the top position um, of all the positions. But those are two guys that had good weeks. Off-ball linebacker. Yeah, a couple of guys to look for at linebacker. The first one was Darian Beavers of Cincy. You'll remember he played pretty good in the Alabama game. He's kind of built a little like a, a little like the Zayvon Collins out of Tulsa, Jamie Collins. He's about 6'3", 250-pound off-ball linebacker, though, but really rangy. He used his skill set that way. He had a solid week there. The Wyoming linebacker, Chad Buma, another one that had a solid week of practice as well. And then Channing Tindall, linebacker for Georgia. He started for Georgia opposite N'Kobe Dean. This is one where it's going to be pretty much a sub-package linebacker, I think off-ball linebacker. He's about only about 220 pounds, but able to rush, able to cover. Channing Tindall is another one to keep an eye on. How about defensive ends? Yeah, defensive line was probably the strongest group. A lot of guys that could go into round one. Defensive end, though, the one to look for is I thought Jermaine Johnson was the best defensive player out there. Jermaine Johnson was on last chance U, then went to Georgia, transferred to Florida State last year. Really good size, heavy-handed, big plays in the backfield, beating guys one-on-one. He's a guy that I think is a, his, his stock improved where he could potentially get inside that top 15, but definitely a bona fide first-rounder. Jermaine Johnson out of Florida State. Um, a couple other guys, you know, at the defensive line spot was Omafe out of Minnesota. He's been testing... Right up there, they said he was testing right up there in his combine test prep. Um, 
He's at the same facility as Aiden Hutchinson, who's going to test through the roof. They say Boy Moppy is right up there. He is a really speed rusher off the edge. And then inside in the interior, Devontae Wyatt out of Georgia. Just a really solid player um, inside. And then as well is defensive tackle Perion Winfrey of Oklahoma. He won. He was awarded defensive player of the week and defensive player, uh, uh, defensive MVP in yesterday's game. He's a guy that had a really solid week that he could, I mean, another one of those defensive linemen that could creep into round one. But it was Perrion Winfrey, defensive tackle out of Oklahoma. Who impressed you the most this weekend? Yeah, so there was, yeah, so from so, so from that group, there was, you know, about 20 or 30 players that were really solid. Two guys that keep popping up for me is Jermaine Johnson, just off the edge and just a, just athletic, long, made plays. Maybe he's the third defensive end. Maybe he's the third or fourth defensive end taken, but he really impressed me. He had a really solid week. And then I go back to the receiver spot. An explosive guy who could make plays above the rim, but he could also, he, he's also tough to cover, was, was the hometown kid, Jalen Tolbert out of South Alabama. That is going to be a guy to watch, you know, a, a guy on day two that you could take. Those two guys keep popping up as some of my favorites. Who disappointed you? Was there anybody who disappointed you or that you kind of were left looking for a little bit more? Yeah, so there was... So, the one guy that disappointed a little bit was one, it was a quarterback. Carson Strong, I thought, had a chance to make a leap. And... You know, he was he was inconsistent. He did not. I thought he could have maybe got up there and challenged. You know, like a like a Kenny Pickett right at the top. So that so that was one. Um, and then Luke Godet, offensive lineman, Central Michigan. This is a guy thought to be a first round pick. Good lineage, Central Michigan lineman to the NFL, but. Of the small school guys at tackle, I thought I thought Spencer Penning was better, and he was one where I don't think Godecki exactly separated himself like a lot of people thought he would. Good size, good length, inconsistent all week. Kenny, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast, man. I appreciate it. Thanks, man. Always a good time, and yeah, the draft starts in Mobile, so it is definitely going to pick up the draft season here. And once again, I want to thank Kenny Sim for coming on the show. I always appreciate it when Kenny can come on. And I want to thank all of you for tuning into this episode, the 389th 
episode of Barbershop Sports Talk. Streaming live on your computer and on your smartphone. Check out Elevation5280sports.com for all the information you need. Download the apps, put in the link, and you're good to go on the go. Elevation5280sports.com. Careful, it's tough to breathe up here.